بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم الحمد للہ چنائی از دا ٹوینٹی سیکنڈ آف سپٹمبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ ان شاء اللہ ٹو اسپینڈ دا From whatever angle one analyzes the glorious Qur'an, one will find the divine blueprint. Thus consider carefully some of its incredible numerical perfections. The seven gates of hell. In Surah Al-Hijr, Surah 15 verse 44, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He says, O the Belaim Nishatan Rajeem, لَهَا سَبْعَةُ أَبْوَابِ لِكُلِّ بَابٍ مِّنْهُمْ جُزْءٌ مَّقَسُومٌ It has seven gates. Designated for each gate will be a contingent amongst them. So in this glorious verse, it's clearly mentioned that the hell has got seven gates and designated for different criminals. Our beloved messenger famously said, The fire of hell is black. This is in Tirmidhi, number 2588. So reflect. The word black is repeated exactly seven times in the Quran, which is equal to the number of gates of hell. Could this be just a coincidence? So you could argue, well, that could it be a fluke. The word black, okay, is mentioned seven times. But the Prophet said the fire of hell is black. And the word black is repeated seven times in line with the seven gates which are mentioned in the Quran. Mm. Let's turn to the counterpart, the eight gates of paradise. In the Quran, we learn that the more prominent color in paradise is green. We can infer this from the following holy verses. In Surah Al-Qahf, Surah 18, verse 31. وَيَلْبَسُونَ فِيَابًا خُدْرًا مِّن سُنْدُسٍ وَإِسْتَبْرَقًا They shall be adorned in green garments from fine and thick silk. And in another passage, in Surah Ar-Rahman, Surah 55, verse 76. مُتَّكِئِينَ عَلَىٰ رَفْرَفٍ خُدْرٍ وَأَبْقَرِيٍ حِسَانٍ They will be reclining upon green cushions and elegant carpets. So the first point here is the prominent color the Quran describes paradise with is green. In the first verse it talks about the garments being of green and in the second the green cushions and carpets. Our beloved messenger famously said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in Sayyih Bukhari, number 3263, Paradise has eight gates. So consider, the word green is repeated eight times in the Quran, which is equal to the number of gates of Paradise. So now, the mathematicians, they say the odds are getting less. So you could argue seven gates, the word black is mentioned seven times in the Quran, that's a coincidence. 
and the mathematicians will give you the odds. If you now add this to the equation, eight gates, and the word green, the dominant color, is repeated eight times in the Quran, now the odds are getting far less. Let's turn to the gates of paradise and the hell combined. If we add the number of gates of paradise to the number of gates of hell, then the total is 15. Eight gates of paradise, seven gates of hell. Subhanallah. This is the exact number of times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats the word gates in his glorious book. Could this be another coincidence? <laughs> so note after a while you're thinking, it can't be a coincidence. Something's happening here. So 15 gates combining the gates of paradise and hell. And the word gate is mentioned 15 times in the Quran. Mm. Let's turn to another. The 309 years of sleep of the seven sleepers of the kif. If one reads the following two holy verses in Surah Al-Kahf, Surah 18 verse 12, the translation. Then we awaken them so that we might distinguish which of the two parties amongst them would best enumerate the length lima labithu they remained in the kif. So the first verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says? Surah 18 verse 12, that he awoke them. And amongst them they were discussing how long they were in the kif. But what word does Allah ta'ala use? Lima labithu they remained in the kif. 14 verses later, verse 26, the Almighty and Glorious mentions, say to them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how long, bima labithu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how long, bima labithu, they remained. So the same word is used. Allah ta'ala says, lima labithu, they were discussing the, how long they remained in the cave. 14 verses later, Allah Ta'ala says, I know how long they remained. So why have I mentioned these two verses? 14 verses apart. If we carefully count the number of words, not letters, between the first and the last mention of the word, they, the verb they remained, it turns out, that it is exactly 309, which is the exact number of years the sleepers remained in the cave. As the Almighty and Glorious says in Surah Al-Kahf, Surah 18, verse 25. And they stayed in the cave 300 years and add nine. Could this be yet another coincidence? So, putting it simply, the Quran mentions that they remained in the cave for 309 years. Allah Ta'ala mentions, they remained, he uses the verb. 14 verses later, he uses the verb again. Between the two words, there's 309 words. So, is that a coincidence? So Allah Ta'ala is leaving his blueprint in the Quran numerically.
So note again, these are all additional signs that the Quran is divine. And also just to add, the Quran says they stayed in the cave 300 years. And the Quran then says, وَأَزْدَادُ تِسْعَى Add nine. Now what's interesting, 300 years is referred into solar years. If you convert 300 solar years into lunar years, you get 309. <laughs> so Allah is actually saying in Surah Al-Kahf, there's no harm in using the solar year. Because he himself said, They stayed in the cave 300 years. What is he referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Not, so, not Luna is interesting. He's talking about solar years there. But then he says, Sum ad nine. Meaning if you convert it to the lunar years, it's 309. So note again, Surah Al-Kahf is one of the mysterious surahs of the Quran. Let's look at some other. A plethora of preciseness. Sheikh Abdul Razak Nawfal in his Al-I'jaz Al-Adadi Lil Quran Al-Qareem, page 7. He listed the following. The word day is repeated exactly 365 times in the Quran, which is equivalent to the number of days in a solar year. You note again, the Quran is mentioning the solar year here in Surah Al-Kaf, like I've mentioned, and also subtly by the word day. Allah could have mentioned it 355 times, but he's mentioned it 365 times. Why? Because it's the solar year. Then the Shaykh said, the word days is repeated 30 times in the Quran, which is equivalent to the number of months in a year. So the first is day. The word day is mentioned 365 times. The word days is mentioned 30 times, equivalent to an, a month. The word al-dunya, this world, is repeated 115 times in the Quran, which is equivalent to the number of times the word Al-Akhirah, the hereafter, is repeated. So exactly 115 times the word dunya is mentioned, and exactly the same Al-Akhirah. The word angels, is repeated the same number of times as the word devils, and that is 88 times. Exactly 88 times. The word death and its derivatives are repeated in the Quran the exact number of times as the word life and its derivatives. They are both repeated 145 times. The word disbelief is repeated in the Quran the exact number of times as faith. They are both repeated 17 times. Exactly. The name Iblis, one of the names of the shaitan, is repeated the same number of times as the phrase for seeking refuge in Allah from him. And that is 11 times. So now, it's not humanly possible to do all this. Now what do I mean by that? The Quran wasn't revealed at once. Even if it was, this would be a, you know, an impossible task. It was revealed piecemeal, sometimes a few verses, 
sometimes a whole chapter, over 23 years, the Quran was revealed. And at the end of it, you got all this preciseness. So any person without any bias would have to admit there's something extremely odd about this. But there's nothing odd about it in the least. It's just a further sign that this is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As our loving Lord says clearly in Surah Fusila, Surah 41 verse 42, لَا يَأْتِيهِ الْبَاطِلُ مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا مِنْ خَلْفِ تَنْزِيلٌ مِنْ حَكِيمٍ حَمِيدٌ No falsehood can approach it from before or behind. It is sent down by the one full of wisdom, worthy of all praise. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, falsehood cannot approach it from either the rear or from the front. It is sent, look what Allah Ta'ala says, He doesn't say it is sent down by me, He describes Himself. Tanzilun min hakim. It is sent down by the one full of wisdom. Hamid, the one worthy of all praise. And an aspect of it we've just discussed the last 10 15 minutes. As the Amir al Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali so rightly said, whoever disbelieves in one letter of it, then in reality, he has disbelieved in all of it. Whoever disbelieves in one letter of it, then in reality, he has disbelieved in all of it. This is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, Ibn Jarir, Hafiz Ibn Qudama in his Al-Burhan with a Sahih kind of transmission. So look how dangerous it is. Let alone questioning a verse. If you even don't believe in one alif of the Quran, according to Ali, you disbelieve in the entire Quran. Why? Because it's a whole. It's the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, how did it descend? It descended on the greatest night, Laylatul Qadr. It descended in the greatest month, Ramadan. It descended in the greatest city, Makkah. It descended with the greatest angel, Jibreel. And it descended on the greatest prophet, Rasulullah. So Hafiz ibn Kathir said, There is no other way to honor the Quran. It's completed. That wasn't a coincidence. So, what do you learn? We should be articulating this to non Muslims. And what's amazing is we're not even discussing the Quran, we're just discussing you know, the numerical consistencies and the perfection in the terms of how it was revealed to mankind. And we'd expect this from the final revelation. And if you compare that to the previous revelations, it's not the same. The previous revelations were revealed all at once. Which is very strange for us if you reflect. The Torah was given all at once. The Injil all at once. Zabur all at once. That's why the Jews, they questioned. They goes, why is this Quran being revealed piecemeal? That was an honor for Rasulullah. So note the Quran again. A true wonder of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, it's His glorious speech, His uncreated speech. So, making a start on the next subsection, let us now turn to the glorious dhikr. Indeed, the value of dhikr is incomprehensible. Obeyed ibn Umar rahmatullah, he said, 
the saying of just one Alhamdulillah in the book of deeds of the believer is better for him than all the mountains of the world overflowing with gold. The saying of just one Alhamdulillah in the book of deeds of the believer is better for him than all the mountains of the world overflowing with gold. This is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 6-55, Hafiz Ibn Qayyim in his Al-Wabil Al-Sayyid, page 193 of the New English Translation. So now, what does that mean? It's just a sentence. First of all, if he had, if he had said, it's equal to all the mountains of gold, that would have been hard to comprehend. He didn't say that. He goes, it is better for him than all the mountains overflowing with gold. Meaning it's not just a mountain, it's overflowing with gold. So how many mountains in the world? No idea. We know some of the famous ones, you know, Mount Everest, you know, K2, etc, etc. But imagine all of them overnight turn to gold. And then you've got the right to all the wealth. And so many, you know, how happy would you feel? And it's all halal, obviously. Right? It's overflowing with gold. Here you're thinking, I'm not just set, I've set, I'm set till Qiyamat. My family set, in fact, I can set whoever I want till Qiyamat. Imagine the joy on the person's face. And then you say, say Alhamdulillah. And he says it. Will he experience the same happiness? If you told him, this is greater than what I've just discussed. So what does that tell you? We don't value zikr. And the reason, because it's easy. You know, something's easy, you don't value it. But Allah Ta'ala, it doesn't matter whether it's difficult or if it's, if Allah Ta'ala gives you a wage for something, whether it's difficult or easy, it's by the by. The wage is what Allah Ta'ala sets. He set the, the wage here. In a direct report from Rasulullah he said, he who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him. He who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him. This is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Tabarani in his Ausat, Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, Bazar in his Musnad, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 3, page 4 to 8, in the chapter on the evil of arrogance and egoism. So there's a condition. You have to do it a lot. If you do dhikr often, the Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala loves you. So now what does often mean? So obviously we've got our own standards. Our standard probably often would mean that you're doing it, you know, possibly more than an hour during the day. But if you go bike, that really isn't often. So the way to look at it is, it's the urf, what the condition of the society is at the time. So now we're in a time where even if you do a little bit of zikr, you probably fall in the category of often. And Allah Ta'ala loves you. If Allah Ta'ala loves you, have you got anything to worry about? Right? So doing zikr in abundance is a means to that. It would be fair to say that the more one remembers the exalted and glorious, then the more he in turn loves them. SubhanAllah. That's probably fair enough to say. So if somebody does one subhanAllah more than you, Allah Ta'ala loved him more. Because he gave him the tawfiq to do one more than you. And there's a report which you mentioned, which I've mentioned many times in paradise. 
a person is experiencing the blessings of paradise and he suddenly hears or smells something unique and he asks because what's this and one of the angels says this is the next paradise meaning that you've Allah has allowed you to experience something from the next paradise so he asks how did you how did the person get one station above me and the angel alayhi salatu wasalam said he said one subhanallah more than you now think about that what is the value of one rank of paradise above yours <laughs> you know it's not a promotion you know it's heavens and earth difference between the paradises what gave the key to the next paradise one extra subhanallah and then there's that famous report of suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam he was traversing on the wind with his army and one of the men saw him flying above and he spontaneously said subhanallah immediately suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam he came down for want of a better word he landed so the man got woody thinking oh my goodness what's happened he calls the man the man approaches and suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam said what did you just say so the man is really worried he goes don't worry because what did you say because i saw you flying above our prophet of god and i said subhanallah so suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam said this kingdom that you are so impressed with it will end upon my death your subhanallah is enduring it will never end so think about it the man saw something and of course you're going to say subhanallah but hasn't the kingdom of suleiman finished it finished thousands of years ago alayhi salatu wasalam has that subhanallah finished no So Lord, a prophet of God is highlighting the value of subhanallah. He stopped in his tracks. He goes, look, don't underrate these statements you're making. Look at these words, alhamdulillah, subhanallah. Thus keeping this fact in mind, it comes as no surprise to learn that Malik ibn Dinar said, rahmatullahi, no delight can be compared to the delight of dhikrullah. No delight can be can be compared to the delight of dhikrullah mm. this is in ahmad in his zuhd page 2321 behaqi in shu'ab al-iman 2-589 abu nu'aym al-hilya 2-358 hafiz ibn kayyim in his al-wab al-sayyib page 232 of the new english translation so think about that malik ibn dinar is a tabi how many things do we take delight in we take delight in our family we take delight in our wealth We take delight, you know, in so many things. Malik ibn Dinar said, there is no delight which can compare to the delight of dhikrullah. If you really understood what dhikr is, he goes, this is the greatest blessing that Allah Ta'ala gives. And also, the Prophet said to finish, that when a person is doing dhikr, this is the greatest blessing Allah Ta'ala bestows upon us. Now think about that. How interesting a report. The greatest blessing Allah Ta'ala can bestow upon a servant is that he allows him to do dhikr. This is in Tabarani. So when you're doing dhikr, it's not you doing it. Allah Ta'ala has allowed you to do the greatest thing any creation can possibly do. And, like I said, it's so easy. But it doesn't matter. It's so great in the sight of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So all I mentioned today, was I spent the bulk of the session taking a glimpse into 
the miraculous Quran, i.e. the divine blueprint, focusing about some of the numerical miracles. And then I started the section with regards to the incredible value of Dhikr. Are there any questions? Let me ask you. You mentioned Zikr. Uh, does that mean Zikr in the sense of Tasbih or is it more comprehensive than that? So obviously Zikr is verbal utterance. But any action, any act of worship is Zikr. Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar said to keep out of the Haram is the greatest Zikr. So obviously that's not verbal. So obviously it's a very comprehensive term as well. It's not just verbal utterances. However, the verbal utterances are the easiest aspects of zikr. Keep out, keeping out of the haram is not easy. Zikr verbally is easy. So therefore a lot of people, they say, look, this is zikr, that's zikr. But of course, you're correct in saying that it's a comprehensive. Uh, and also the Quran is zikr. Allah Ta'ala mentions, Saad wal Qur'ani dhikr. Saad by the glorious Quran, the great reminder. It's actually called a reminder. The greatest zikr is the Quran. Any other questions? Subhanahu wa bihamdi ismanaka Allahumma bihamdika ashtu wa ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka atubu alayka wa dhikr alayhim rishad ajim. Subhanahu wa rabbika rabbil izzati amma yisifun. Assalamu alayhi wa rahmatullahi 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 w